Hey there, architecture enthusiast. Nikita Reed here, inviting you on an incredible journey through time and space with my podcast, Tangible Remnants. Historic preservation and sustainability? Let's go ahead right now and debunk the myth that they are opposites. In fact, they are two sides of the same coin, shaping our collective future. In a work environment, it has been challenging because I've had to probably do more than double just to make sure that I quote unquote fit in. But the environments that have allowed me to do me on the front end, I've been extremely successful. You look at all these PhDs, they've built that on the backs of our elders. Absolutely. What they consider themselves to be experts at is what they've worked with us to achieve. I know we have to. We have to prioritize people before products and before place. Join me as we unravel the stories of historic buildings shaped by the people of a specific era and often influenced by race and gender. These tangible remnants are windows into our past and guideposts for the future. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe now to Tangible Remnants. Let's explore the interconnectedness of architecture, preservation, sustainability, race, and gender. Go ahead, girl. Do your thing. Do your thing, chicken wing. But I wish you would eat some chicken wings and relax, but whatever. Okay. Sorry. Ain't nobody gonna well, tell her that. No one's gonna tell her that. Hey there, and welcome back to She Builds Podcast, where we share stories about women in the design and construction field, one lady at a time. This season, we will be discussing business bosses and leaders. And on today's episode, we will talk about Kate Gleason, a savvy businesswoman. I'm Lizzie Rahr, doing a lot of crossword puzzles in San Francisco, joined by my fellow co-hosts, Jessica and Nergidi. I'm Nergidi Rivas, playing lots of Mario Kart in Houston, Texas. And I'm Jessica Rogers, kicking it old school and just playing Candy Crush on my phone, based out of Miami, Florida. I would argue that mine is the most old school. Yeah, mine is old school via phone when everyone was obsessed with Candy Crush. Um, but yours is <laughs> anal- sure. yours is analog. Analog, yeah. literally analog. I'm really close to finishing this one. Do you do Sunday? Just get my pencil ready. Sunday times once. I can do the Sunday. Sat- I, Friday and Saturday are hard. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought the Sundays were the hardest. Yeah. No, Sunday is Thursday level difficulty, but bigger. Mm. Oh. Saturday is the hardest. Gotcha. Anyway. This feels like a great segue. Yes. <laughs> Are you ready? Are you ready to talk about Kate? Not, Not yet. yet. <laughs> we got to say our disclaimer. Just in case it's your first time listening or you've forgotten, the three of us are not historians. We're thought leaders on this subject, but not necessarily experts. We're just sharing stories about the information that we find. If we get our facts a little mixed up, forgive us, leave us a comment, and we can all continue learning. Okay. Are you ladies ready to talk about Kate? Now I'm ready. (laughs) Now you're ready. Let's do this. Like England is ready to talk about the Duchess of Cambridge. Ow. (laughs) That's why I said that. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That just happened. (laughs) 
Well, in order to talk about Kate, though, we have to start by talking about her father, William, and his business in order to give context to Kate's story. Um, taking it back. I like this. I like it. Yes. Okay. So our story begins before Kate is born. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So William Gleason came to the U.S. from Ireland in 1848, three years after the Great Potato Famine. He settled in Rochester in upstate New York and got hired as an apprentice in training at a machine shop. During the next 10 years, he got married and had a son named Tom. Then in 1857, William and the family moved to Chicago for a better job opportunity. Unfortunately, though, two years later, William's wife and their then one-year-old daughter died of tuberculosis. Mm. Wow. So they had a daughter after Tom and then he lost wife and baby. That's so sad. That's so sad. Yeah, it was a really tough break for them. So William and Tom ended up going back to Rochester because William's mom could help out with Tom. William was working at a machine shop again and also attending night school to study math. I was just talking with our friend Fada about single parents and how, in her words, they are heroes. Mm. I was just thinking about this as well. Like, it's so interesting to think about it in this way. Like, we haven't even gotten to the story of Kate and her dad is acting like a single dad and going to night school on top of that. Well, I'm glad he found the support system he needed to get through it and also advance his career. If he is this way now, I wonder what kind of impact he will have with Kate. And can we get back to her? I mean, what, where's, where's, where's Kate? <laughs> well, William is working his butt off, but he manages to meet a lady. And oh? when he's 27 years old, he gets married again to Ellen McDermott. Okay. Man, he was young. I wasn't even on husband number one at that age. <laughs> For real? I mean, I think I was only on job number one at 27. Like real job. <laughs> anyway, after he got married, enter one Catherine Anselm Gleason, who was born on November 24th, 1865. They nicknamed her Kitty and then Kate when she got older. Just like the Duchess of Cambridge. No relation, I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure she is just as royal in her own right. But yay, okay. Getting back to Kate. Yay. That's true. Well, William and Ellen had three more children after Kate. James, Andrew, and Eleanor. Meanwhile, William opened his own machine shop with a friend, John Connell. They added another partner, James Graham, and the shop was called Connell, Gleason, and Graham. Their company made big woodworking machines like lathes and planers to shape and straighten wood. Cool, cool. Okay, so their machine shop created machines. Interesting. <laughs> also, fun fact, once upon a time, I used to work at a wood shop. Well, I took wood shop in high school, so I know how to do the planers and all of those things. So very cool machines. Cool. I sanded my nail off once. Girl, and oh, I was I, I'm scared of the wood shop. Not, no, 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 no. Yeah. Mm -mm. Anyway. Well, yeah. OK. Yes. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the company made tools to sell to other companies. And in 1867, William got a patent for one of his designs. It was a tool rest for tools for a metalworking lathe called Gleason's Patent Tool Rest. 
Ooh, we got an inventor in the house. But mm-hmm. what is that exactly? It's a tool that you use when you're lathing, when when using a lathe. So I did oh. look it up because <laughs> I realized that. So while I was doing a quick Google search on finding out more about this tool, I realized that Kate's papa invented so many things, like tools that I've definitely yeah. seen in wood shops everywhere. So that's kind of cool. Kind of impressive. Mm. Yeah. So things are going well with the business, but then William and his partner started to disagree a bit. Mm. William yep. thought that they should be focusing on metalworking tools instead of wood because things like the railroad industry and others were starting to ramp up a lot. But John and James disagreed. So William leaves. Mm. Bummer. I'm so sad that they couldn't come to an agreement, but nice that they were able to go their separate ways and hopefully everyone stayed true to their own mission. I haven't done this in a while. Follow your arrow wherever <laughs> it points. <laughs> that could just be a soundbite that we just like throw in <laughs> everywhere. It always fits. It always fits. Um, I'm also going to hope that they were businessy partners instead of friends, knowing that they go their separate ways. Or if they were friends, that they kind of they, that they still remained friends, just not business partners. But I can see why William would want to make this switch based on his future patents like the bevel gear. But I think I'm getting ahead of myself. Probably. Well. William moves to Kid Ironworks as a partner and supervisor, and the company was one of the largest machine shops and foundries in the western New York area at the time. By 1875, William becomes the owner of the company and renames it Gleason Works, with Kate's brother Tom as his right-hand man. Wow, William really meant business, buying out the company, mentoring his son. Very nice. Yeah, that also explains why in all the tools that he invented that I've come across, it has the name Gleason incorporated somehow. (laughs) That's a smart businessman right there. So while all this is going on, Kate is attending an all-girls Catholic school, Nazareth Academy. She would play with the boys in her neighborhood and pushed against the idea that girls were second place. Later, she said, girls were not considered as valuable as boys. So I always jumped from a little higher barn and vaulted a taller fence than did my boy playmates, just to prove that I was as good as they. As per usual, we have to do better to be considered the same. Yep. Work twice as hard to get the minimum of recognition. But yay, Kate! From a young age, she was resilient and disproving social norms of the time. Get it, girl. Girl power, chica. Well, by the age of nine, Kate was reading books on machinery and engineering, soaking in all the family influences. I hope that dad was mentoring her like he was mentoring Tom. I hope so too, Nerdy, you know, because equality and whatnot. But uh, she was reading what at what age? Nine machinery books? What were y'all reading at nine? Because I for sure wasn't reading a machinery. Like Captain Underpants, I remember I would read a lot of and like Archie Comics. (laughs) Okay, me and Kate are not the same. You know, to each their own. To each their own. But I don't even know where, like the phone book, like what would, where would, well, they, the dad, like the dad invented (laughs) machine. So maybe she read his books, but I don't know. But my gosh. (laughs) Well. When Kate was 11 years old, her older brother, Tom, died of typhoid fever. Oh, no. 
There's so much tragedy for William to lose two children in his lifetime. I'm so sorry for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know the family was really heartbroken naturally, but it was also really tough for the business because he was a huge part of that. Mm. And Kate overheard her parents talking one night and heard her dad say, oh, if Kate had only been a boy, her Mm. younger brothers were still too little to help in the shop. But Kate's mom thought Kate should start learning about the business. Mm. I guess that answers my question from before. Sounds like dad was not taking Kate under his wing like he did with Tom. Yeah. But I bet that Kate didn't accept the status quo. Yeah, I hope he changed his mind somehow. I mean, what a bummer. And the fact that Kate had to hear it, it, that must have been really tough. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that he was kind of fostering an interest in machinery and engineering, but just didn't think that didn't assume that she was going to, you know, be the person who would come up in the business. But right. As you can imagine, though, Kate was not going to just sit around and wait to be asked to join the company. That's right. So next weekend, she went down to the shop and she demanded to work. Told you so. Get it, girl. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So her dad started her off with some bills that needed taking care of. And from that day on, she was a regular worker in the shop. Oh, so she started more in accounting than working in the shop. I mean, I guess that's a good start. I mean, she's just a little girl. She's 11, right? So. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes. It's probably too little. Like, there's a little thing that says you must For be the this big tall. machines. Yeah. <laughs> that is a good point. You know, she is 11, even though child labor laws probably haven't started yet. We have to remember that she's 11, despite the fact that it also, this all plays into, you know, The norms that they give women the desk jobs instead of the other jobs that they are just as capable of doing. But, you know, we're going to keep it positive. At least she is in that space working for her daddy. So a couple years later, there was a banking crisis in Rochester. And so Gleason Works had to let go a lot of employees. They went from 150 workers to three. What? 150 to three? What happens to the work? It's gone. There's no there's no work. That's why they got to let people go. Yeah. So what happens to Kate, though? She's one of three. Or does she get let go, too? <laughs> Can you imagine? Her dad sitting her down like, hey, little girl. This is harder for me than it is for you. We're going to have to let you go. Uh, she's free labor, though. She would never get fired. Like... That's true. That's the point. Oh, so it's actually <laughs> down to four. And she just didn't get paid. That's all. Three paid workers, I think, is what they're saying. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so Kate was 14 and she took over all of the bookkeeping for the company. Of course oh. she did. I hope that, you know, all jokes aside that if she's maybe it's not free labor because she's the she took all the bookkeeping so she knows what money it coming in and out is so she could pay herself at 14 i don't know well she was a smart girl reading machinery books so i'm sure she was good with the numbers too but we'll see yeah anyway she was 14 kate went to rochester free academy for high school her typical day during this time was waking up at 4 a.m to study before school school from 8 a.m to 1 p.m and then she would go to work until 6 p.m as a high schooler guys Mm -mm. Mm -mm. okay i love this dedication But it's a little sad that she didn't have a chance to, like, be a kid 
and she had all these responsibilities. But that was probably common at the time. Probably, like we said, no child labor laws yet. So during that time, she helped engineer new machinery and handled all the finances of the business. They had focused on designing machines for the oil industry, which was growing very quickly. And soon the company was back on its feet. These Gleasons are very visionary people. Yeah, I love a good comeback story. So Kate got into Cornell University's Sibley College of Mechanical Engineering and Mechanic Arts. She was the first woman in the four-year Bachelor of Engineering program. As you can imagine, though, she was used to being the only woman after working at Gleason Works and throughout school and whatnot. So she was right at home. Yeah, nothing new. She took classes in German, geometry, algebra, trig, drawing and shop. At the time, all female students at Cornell lived at the dorms of Sage College. Henry Sage had donated money to Cornell specifically for educating women, saying, Instruction shall be afforded to young women, as broad and as thorough as that now afforded to young men. Women should have the liberty to learn what they can and to do what they have the power to do. Mm. I want that on a shirt. This needs to be (laughs) on billboards everywhere. Well, unfortunately, things back at home at Gleason Works weren't doing so great and people were not paying their bills. Her dad asked her to think about coming home to help out for a year and then return to school. I don't like this. Mm-hmm. She couldn't say no to her dad, though, but said that leaving school was her, quote, first big sorrow. Mm. I don't like this at all. Yeah, I don't like this either. Well, apparently she was sitting under a tree on campus with this letter from her dad and she's crying, right? Because she doesn't want to leave. Mm-hmm. And some guy comes up to her and is like, What's wrong? And she says that she has to leave while she's still crying. So, okay, this guy then says to her, I'm awfully sorry, but at present, I can't be more than a brother to you. She apparently like tried to convince him that she was talking about leaving school and not like him, the man. But he was not getting the message. And apparently she was like really upset about mad about the whole situation because he was like. I just like this guy. That is so strange. It's like a weird, like, he's coming on to her, but like not coming on to her. Yeah. Like, or like, <laughs> he, I just, the fact that he assumes that she's coming on to him. Uh huh. Or like, <laughs> yeah. Like, what? And like, who what is this weirdo. guy? He's so sure of himself and like a narcissist much. It's just, I feel like men at the time, right? Yeah, right. He needs his mental health checked. That's a little too much. (laughs) And his ears checked. Yeah. Every woman he ever sees crying is crying over him. Like what? Bet you he's fugly too. Well, she was only able to complete one year of school, but she still felt that it was helpful and necessary for her path forward. I think it also motivated her knowing that there were men who were able to stay at school and continue on. She mm. said, I worked with every bit of energy I possessed. At a girl. You know, we talk about how valuable a good education is and blah, blah, blah. But realistically, not everyone is able to go to college or to finish in the case of Kate. Yeah. Well, I think what I would like listeners to take away from this, especially our student listeners, is this way of thinking, right? Of still working towards something and charging on. I don't think we've heard of this kind of scenario before either, or at least not any, any of our ladies aren't coming to mind. But I like this change of pace. It's sad, but it's a reality. 
Yeah. Well, not long after she returned to the company, Kate was running the office of Gleason Works. She would travel around the Midwest on her own to sell their machinery, and she was quite the saleswoman. I can see that with all her perseverance and persistence. Good work ethic. She got this. Yeah, get it, girl. When she was 25, she was given the official title of secretary treasurer. The company was renamed Gleason Tool Company, and Kate was the reason that they were expanding. She told her dad that he should focus on perfecting the bevel gear planer that he invented. Do either of you know what that is? (laughs) I think Jessica knows. (laughs) Yeah. In my quick research, I did see this come up. It was quite revolutionary, but Lizzie, I'll let you explain it. So it's a machine that makes gears that can work on a curve. And I'll include a picture in the show notes because even that explanation was tough for me to imagine it. I had to look at a photo. But anyway, her dad invented and patented this tool. And the reason that it was such a big deal was that transportation industries like bicycles and automobiles needed beveled gears. And up until then, it had been done by hand, which was really imprecise. Mm -hmm. So Gleason's machine made the gears faster and cheaper than any competitor. Apparently, Kate was such a big promoter of the bevel gear planer that Henry Ford was going around and telling people that she had invented it rather than her father. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little funny. Also, oh, hey, Henry Ford, just, you know, casually dropping in. And also, can we point out that he thought that it was Kate that invented it instead of her papa, a man? I chuckle at the irony. (laughs) (laughs) Well... Kate unfortunately never returned to Cornell, but she did take night classes in mechanical engineering and she was always learning more about the profession and the business. And she was the person traveling all over the country to demonstrate and explain their machines. So she had to have extensive knowledge of the engineering that went into them for any questions that they had and things like that. So supposedly she was called the Madame Curie of machine tools because of how much she (laughs) knew about the engineering. Continuing education is where it's at. Also, a good salesperson knows their products backwards and forwards. She knows what's up. Yeah, exactly. When Kate was 29, her doctor recommended a vacation away from the stresses of work. Mm. He threw out the idea of Atlantic City, but she said, you know what? Let me take two months to cross the Atlantic and see if I can pursue some business opportunities over there. She thought it would be a better use of her time. So she packed one black cashmere dress as quote unquote business attire and was the only woman on board the ship. (laughs) I don't know how I feel about that part of being the only woman on the ship. And I hope she had like fun clothes. Um, But I want to know what happened that made her doctor suggest that she takes a vacation. Like, did she have a heart attack or like, did she have get shingles? I have a cousin that's our age in her 30s and got shingles because her job was stressing her yeah, out. Yeah, I know someone else our age who got shingles. Yeah. yeah. Stress, man. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Stress. The stress, man, it'll get you. And oh it don't gosh. look good either. So, listeners, take that PTO. Paid time off. Take vacations. Work can wait. Work will be there when you return. Despite what people tell you, your happiness and your health should come first. That is all. <laughs> Okay, back to our episode. Yeah, I don't know if there was like a specific health issue that caused the doctor to tell her that, but 
She went on this European trip, and while she's there, she visited firms in Scotland, England, France, and Germany, and she got a lot of big orders to bring home with her. So not much of a resting vacation, really Mm. more of a work vacation. But this is one of the first examples of an American manufacturing company expanding globally, and it was because of Kate. Well, I don't like that she didn't quite take a break, but Mm -hmm. I do like... (laughs) That she was one of the first people doing that. That's really, really awesome. That is cool. Listeners, when I said PTO, I mean, time off. You are off the clock. You are on a beach sipping a margarita or a martini looking at architecture or buildings or eating pasta with your with your hubby and your girlfriends. (laughs) You know, not whatever Kate is doing, because that don't sound like what I'm describing. (laughs) But to Nurji's point, you do you, girl, because big things are popping for Kate. So I don't know if you ladies remember, but Rochester and upstate New York in general was a hopping place for women's suffrage. And who's to know if this had any influence on Kate's perseverance of breaking through typical gender norms at that time? But her family was really good friends with Susan B. Anthony, and she and Kate got along really well over the years. Susan told Kate that, quote, any advertising is good. Get praise if possible. Blame if you have to, but never stop being talked about. Susan also gifted Kate a copy of the book that she had edited, History of Women's Suffrage, and she wrote an inscription in it that read, Kate Gleason, the ideal businesswoman of whom I dreamed 50 years ago, a worthy daughter of a noble father. Mm. I like this a lot. Yeah, we've briefly talked about the women's suffrage movement just a little bit, maybe during the Frances Perkins episode, because she was part of everything. Um, And maybe Louise Bethune episode nine. But okay, casual other name drop Kate being besties with Susan B. Anthony. Mm -hmm. Just casually in her book. After 35 years at the company, Kate left Gleason Toolworks in 1914. I didn't find much about why she left. One source said maybe a disagreement with her siblings, but it could also be that she just wanted to pursue other things. After she totally propelled the company of Mr. I wish Kate was a boy Mm. and learned as much as she could, it was time to move on. All the places she will go. I also feel like there is some tea that is not disclosed, but we're going to move on. Well, actually, I got a little backstory. I got a little tea. I I can share it if Lizzie gives me the floor. I'll allow it. Thank you for your generosity. Okay, (laughs) so I found this article about the book, The Life and Letters of Kate Gleason by Janice Gleason, who is married to James Gleason, Kate's great nephew. Okay. Okay. And she says, okay, Janice says that all of Kate's living descendants are direct descendants from her brother, Andrew, who thought that Kate was bossy and difficult to get along with. Mm. And it got so bad that Andrew gave Kate an ultimatum. Either she left the company or he would leave. And then that's how Kate left the company. Drama! Ooh! I mean, like I said, I did read a comment about some disagreement with the siblings. And I also saw the title of that book, but I had to pay for it. It was long, Mm -hmm. so I did not pursue it further. But I'm very (laughs) interested by the fact that it was written by a family member. 
Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we should invest in the book. Who knows? Maybe. I was really put off by his bossy and difficult comments. Mm. It's something that we have to put up with a lot. And I thought, oh, it's so typical for this guy to think that he just sounds like a jealous brother to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's often the case with successful women who are not afraid yeah. to put themselves out there and ask for what they deserve. Right. But it also sounds like maybe he was jealous Like you're saying that Kate was the face of the company being the saleswoman. And I mean, she was one of the reasons, right, that they were being propelled forward. And maybe there was resentment because she was the forward facing sibling or that she was the sole inventor of these things when, in fact, she was pushing her family's designs to the forefront. Exactly. Maybe there's something hierarchical going on because... I don't know. I wonder if he mistook her as bossy when in fact she was just leading, you know, being a leader. She wasn't bossy, but being a boss. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, I wonder, you know, look at the man that raised them, right? The man that didn't believe that his daughter could work at the company and wish that she was a boy instead of a girl, even though look at all the things that she accomplished. Pretty sure he was fine with it after that. After she saved the business like five times. Yeah, but before that, he probably made other comments and that trickled down to the sons. And I don't know, because I don't know, maybe he just didn't like seeing a woman at the helm, like at the forefront, like you guys are saying. That may be. But let me tell you some more. So, yeah, Janice, the lady that wrote the book, Janice would hear all this dirt from her husband's family about Kate. But then the whole town of Rochester really admires Kate. And so Janice would be like, what is going on? I'm hearing like all these conflicting stories. Something's not adding up. So she decided to start doing her own research. And she did a lot of it, which led her to publish a biography on Kate to clear up Kate's name with her husband. She even found out that actually when Kate got the ultimatum, from her brother, she thought, well, you know what? My experience, it would be easy to get another job. But my little brother that doesn't know what he's doing, he probably, if he doesn't have this, he has nothing. So I'm going to take one for the team and I'm going to keep it moving. So interesting. Yeah. So it was more of a selfless act for her family than like sticking it to them kind of thing. Right. And I mean, I think that makes a lot more sense because you're going to see that she did all right on her own after leaving Gleason Works. I like to think that exactly what you said, Nergity, like she knew that she was better off doing her own thing based off of her connections and resources. And I'm sure she wanted to do something else. Homegirl's been working with the company since she was 11. (laughs) It was time for a change. Okay, I'm ready to hear all the great things that she did after she left Mr. Worst Brother of the Year to his (laughs) own devices. (laughs) Well, at the time, she started getting a lot of recognition. And in 1913, she got elected to the Verin Deutsche Ingenieur, the prestigious German engineering society, which was a big deal for an American. And she was also the first woman ever elected to the group. In the same year, she was the first woman elected to the American Society of Mechanical Engineers, ASME, and she was also the first woman in the Rochester Engineering Society. It's so great to hear how she was breaking ground and being recognized along the way. Yeah, this is amazing. 
Well, in 1914, a company called Engel Machine Company was going bankrupt. They had to go to bankruptcy court and the court appointed Kate to help them get out of debt. In two years, Engel Machine Company went from owing $140,000 to being worth over $1 million. OMG, we need Kate to run our business, right? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Let's grab a Ouija board and talk shop with her, please. Yes. Maybe while... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> maybe maybe while we're at it we can ask Burma how her romantic life is going oh <laughs> my gosh so she can give us updates yeah <laughs> for the gossip websites yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh okay but on on a like serious note we've talked about this offline like we've seriously talked about this about like having a patreon about a ouija board yes <laughs> well not really a ouija board but getting a medium we need to hire a medium so that she can talk like when to did the we talk about that Never. we did you just jessica. don't remember yes we jessica. did <laughs> well, we jessica had a conversation in her mind about this yeah about <laughs> us about this no we definitely She's talked about it so okay we've talked about a we've talked about a patreon she figures account. if it gets on air then it then it happened okay yeah, well, okay i'm just saying we did talk about a patreon that we did talk about but yeah i remember i don't remember any of mediums but let's maybe discuss other business expenses before we get a medium let's yeah, do that i'm not i don't know if i'm i don't know about that okay <laughs> fine before it's a business expense, but listeners if any of you are mediums no mediums come holla at us because we have a lot of tea that we need answers to anyway one of kate's friends was the president of the first bank of east rochester but when world war one broke out he went to europe to help with the war effort and the bank had no president The directors of the bank unanimously voted Kate into the interim position, making her the first woman head of a national bank without family ties. Again, amazing. I know. Also, it sort of feels out of the blue, but she probably had a bunch of connections, networked a bunch. I don't know. She was really well known in Rochester, like as a savvy businesswoman. So I think that's part of it. Yeah, that's true. And she's already demonstrated how capable she would be in this position. And this was probably not out of the blue, as I think it is. It just feels that way (laughs) in the way that you've been telling the story, (laughs) because we don't have uh, 10 years to talk about her life and lead up to that. (laughs) Exactly. I love this, by the way. Like going into this episode, I really thought we were going to talk about how this woman impacted mechanical engineering, running her family's company, blah, 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 all of that stuff. But we are getting so much more. The woman knows business, you know, and um, back mm-hmm. to your earlier comment, Nergidi, I don't think we can afford her as a business advisor because we're talking about a woman that did million dollar companies and was the head of banks and stuff. So, but it's wishful Maybe thinking. she would do it for pro bono for some tax breaks in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Kate had always wanted to create low cost housing in East Rochester, which was growing quickly at the time. So she started buying land. The first project that she did was a park on what had been swampland. She then designed and engineered a country club called Genondawa. Man, I want to buy land and be a developer. And then at that time, we know that was not an easy feat for a woman. This is really badass. Yeah. Yeah. So you know how we talk about the baby boom after World War II? Sure. Well, apparently there was a similar 
quote unquote wedding boom after World War One with soldiers returning home. More than one million marriages of returning soldiers happened. So this led to a housing shortage and Kate was ready. She started creating Concrest, a community to house these new couples. The neighborhood was emulating a French village by placing the different homes at angles so they didn't look too uniform and the roads wound around a hillside. I like this a lot. This is nice. This sounds like you wrote it today. Like we're mm-hmm. going through a wedding buyer's market right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everything in life is so cyclical. Yeah. yeah. And don't forget about the people popping babies because that we're on, that that's another wave that's happening. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people are pregnant. <laughs> I also really like the town planning she had in mind. We had mechanical engineering, businesswoman, bank president, developer, and now we can throw in town planner to the mix. Yeah. Kate chose to use concrete to build these homes instead of the typical wood or brick. There were two reasons. One, Kate had seen the devastation that fire could inflict at Gleason Works Foundry and other factories over the years. And two, concrete was an economically smart choice. Y'all know how much I love me some concrete. And it's also stronger, duh. Concrete over everything. We've talked about mass production after World War II also, and this Mm -hmm. was a similar time and problem that was being had. So Kate utilized her experience in the machine tool industry of mass producing when creating Concrest. She made the homes cost effective. They were made of poured concrete with standard designs built by unskilled labor. They still stand and are lived in today. Ooh, I sense another arc venture location to add to our list, ladies. Yeah, yeah. I love that these houses are made out of concrete and that the company is called Concrest. So clever. <laughs> and yes, adding jobs to the workforce. I love it. Yes to everything that Jessica just said. I know that this whole season I've been saying that I want to start an arc ventures list, but Like, that's going to take a long time. There were so many things we need to add to the list. I think that we need an intern. Maybe we get an (laughs) intern before we get a medium. I see. Yes. 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 (laughs) Yeah. Well, here's an ad for the houses at Concrest. Hang up your hat in a home of your own and enjoy that thrill that comes when you look over the happy homestead and proudly exclaim, it's mine, all mine. A home with a deed, title, porch light, garage, fine view, fireplace, electricity, green grass, French windows, and everything. Play Home Sweet Home on your own front porch this summer while you enjoy a 10-mile view of the surrounding country and the cooling breezes are wafted your way. You know, that's all we really want, you know, as a <laughs> as someone looking for a house to buy. That's all we want when we're scrolling on Zillow, y'all. Is this too much to ask for? It feels like it. Yeah, but it's not. Yeah, it's really not. Well, after Congress, the American Concrete Institute elected Kate as a member. Once again, she was the only woman and remained so for the rest of her life. Wow. The American Concrete Institute? That's so cool. Oh, man. For the rest of her life, though, I hope they got a more diverse membership today. Yeah. I just did a quick Google search and it turns out I need to be a member to see a list of the members. So let me sign up. Let me become a member. TBD. Mm-hmm. And let you know <laughs> if I'll but be the second woman to join. Yes. 
circle back to us. <laughs> In the 1920s, Kate went to California to study adobe buildings. She advised Berkeley on rebuilding after the fire in 1924, and she started some poured concrete homes in Sausalito, near where I work. Oh. She also started planning and designing an artist and writer's community near Beaufort, South Carolina, which is where she would go in the winter. But sadly, she never saw it realized during her lifetime. Wow. Oli is a learner and she influenced or impacts so much. But wow. This sounds so Julia Morgan mm. about the concrete and rebuilding after the fire in California. I wonder if they cross paths. I know. Maybe they were in the same circles. Mm. Who knows? Who knows? Kate once told a reporter that she had gotten 200 marriage proposal letters over the years. In a different interview, she said, marriage is a career all by itself. Some women do not find it so, but it would have had to be with me. Okay, that is one way to look at it. I mean, I think I agree that marriage is work and something you do for many years and you need to learn and grow from it mm -hmm. and, and with it. But 200 marriage proposals? Kit was a total heartbreaker. I like it. I like it, girl. She's a free bird. Fly away. Yeah. And no, Judy, you are our in-house married woman. So we value your insight. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can imagine the 200 marriage proposals. I mean, homegirl was traveling around the country, around the world, impressing people with her several suitors probably along that were trying to wife her up because she knew business and all that stuff. <laughs> But, you know, the but Kate was like, nah, I'm all about my work and my own paper. You know, she's she's about business, business. Kate said I had been developing a talent that almost amounted to genius for putting myself in places <laughs> where other women are not likely to come. She always believed that a businesswoman can be just as successful as a man. And in her 60s, she said, when I recall stories told to me by other women struggling for a place in other professions, I insist that engineers are in a class apart. Yeah. And I mean, she obviously believed that she could do anything that she put her mind to. So maybe getting a husband wasn't what she wanted. Wait, I got to say that that was confusing to me. Is she saying that women in engineering have a more difficult time breaking into their career than women in other professions? I mean, maybe there's some truth to that, but I would like to have a deeper conversation about this if that's what she meant. We'll have to talk about this with our friends in engineering. Yeah, I'm not really sure what she meant about engineers specifically, and I didn't find anything to give me any insight, but I read these various comments as Kate not finding that being a woman hindered her in her success and that it sounded kind of like ladies just do it. Right. Mm. But I mean, mm. we've talked about this before with other ladies during this same time period. I think a lot of these women didn't realize the advantages or privileges that they might've had to get ahead, even though they were a woman. Mm. It is disheartening to hear these types of comments because I feel like there's just some people that just don't get it. They don't get the fact that for some other women, they struggle. They struggle with getting their footing in the industries. Yeah. Also, like, come on. She had to jump higher fences or whatever to prove that she was good enough. Like, recognize your yeah. own struggles, Kate. Don't minimize yeah. what you went through. But we're speculating on what she meant. We don't know what she meant. Yeah. Kate died of pneumonia on January 9th, 1933, at the age of 68. Okay. Mm -hmm. Kate died a very wealthy woman, ladies. 
She had an estate worth $1.4 million, which today is worth $24 million. Wow. In her will, she left all of this money to over 70 people and organizations. <laughs> if she started out with money at the beginning, maybe I would have been the one to tell her story because you know how I like talking about rich people. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also really interesting to think about how this story began, right? Like she, her father's family is fleeing from Ireland and her father being a single dad and starting a business to now we're hearing this story of a successful woman. With a net worth of $24 million. Like, oh, that's such a great story. I mean, this is quote unquote, the American dream from rags yeah. to riches. Yeah. By the something of the bootstraps. <laughs> whatever they're saying. <laughs> whatever they said, whatever they call it. She's such an inspiration. All of her accomplishments and her business savvy. I'm so happy. I know so much more of her story now, especially after mm -hmm. that drama with Andrew. But mm -hmm. It was probably a blessing in disguise because then she went on to be a mechanical engineer, businesswoman, bank president, town developer and planner amazingness that she was. That's right. Well, before we leave you, we have to tell you who our karyotid is for this week's episode. Jessica, can you remind us what a karyotid is? Yep. All right. So for some background, a karyotid is a stone carving of a woman used as a column or a pillar to support the structure of a Greek or Greek style building. Each episode will choose a karyotid, a woman who is working today furthering the profession through their work and who ties into the historical woman of our episode. Without further ado, this week's karyotid is... <laughs> Anyo Dwyer! Yay! Yeah! So Anya is from County Tipperary in Ireland, where she went to a technical high school and became interested in civil engineering. She came to the U.S. to study civil engineering at NGIT and also to play Division I basketball. Oh, an engineer and an athlete. Fun. I could never fathom how one studies and is an athlete. I mean, <laughs> we've known a lot of student athletes in college where some are more athletes than students, but they've also never chose majors like engineering or architecture. So I don't know. Anyway, I'm just always impressed with those that can manage being a true student athlete and a civil engineering major at that. <laughs> so cool. So impressive. Well, she had an internship during school at a large company in New Jersey with a focus on heavy civil and construction projects. This turned into a full-time job after school and led her to the type of work that she wanted to pursue in her career. She worked for them for about 10 years, and then in 2017, she opened up her own engineering and construction management firm, Innovate Engineering. She is the principal and CEO, making her one of the youngest CEOs within the industry when she started the company at 32 years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How awesome. <laughs> that is so cool. OK, we are her age when she became CEO of this firm. I want to be her. I know. I want to be her. I love hearing stories of people achieving such great accomplishments at young ages, even though they're not <coughs> that young. We're young. <laughs> we are young, but it inspires me. And we are always amazed by the firsts or the onlys or whatever additional sprinkling of innovation, if you will. But yeah, this is great. I love it. Okay. Before we say goodbye, we want to say thank you to CMYK for the music, John W., our technical producer, and most of all, thank you for listening. 
We hope you enjoyed learning about Kate and Anya along with our banter and that you're inspired to find out more about them and other amazing professional ladies. Again, thank you. Shebo's podcast is a member of the Gable Media Podcast Network, and Gable Media is all about building a better world. If this sounds good to you, listen and subscribe to all the shows at GableMedia.com. That's G-A-B-L Media.com. Please let us know what you thought of our episode. If you've enjoyed it, please help us spread the word. Tell your friends, the lonely heartbreakers that you've left, the 200 suitors that you've left in the dust, your civil engineers, your inventors, your papas that don't listen to you and your brothers that say mean things. Tell them, tell them about our show. Tell them to give us five stars on iTunes. Tell them to write us a review. And this will help us reach a wider audience and for more people to learn about these amazing ladies with us. We are excited to hear from you and for you to come back and keep learning about women bosses with us. You can email us your thoughts at shebuildspodcast at gmail.com, leave a comment on our website, shebuildspodcast.com, or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at shebuildspodcast and on Twitter at shebuildspod. Bye. Adios. Bye. <laughs> it's like, Kate, like England is ready to t- wait. What? <laughs> <laughs> Now I get it. <laughs> do you want to start over? Let's do it. Yeah, like, like, set me up one more time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders, Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us. Can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.